Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for Super Chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Web Radio Show brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, author of Chicken Fact or Chicken Poop, National Spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds Program and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, homesteading, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. I'm about to say something that may shock you. 
There's a chance the mealworm treats you're feeding your chickens are doing them more harm than good. Most of the mealworms sold in the U.S. are hollow and empty because of how they're processed, leaving them with little or no nutritional value. The problem is chickens love healthy insects like mealworms, but there hasn't been a way to get access to them in large quantities. Until now. The only mealworm company I endorse is The Honest Worm because of the way they raise and process their mealworms. Now, they've set aside some bags only for my listeners to try for free. Just cover the cost of shipping and handling. Head on over to freemealworms.com. That's freemealworms.com. If you don't see sold out at the top of the page, that means there's still some bags left, but only for a limited time. Go to freemealworms.com and get your free bag today. Sweet PDZ has been keeping horse stalls ammonia-free and healthy for nearly 33 years. However, ammonia is ammonia, regardless of the species producing it. Therefore, it will do the same great job in your chicken coops and brooders. Sweet PDZ safeguards flock health by neutralizing and eliminating harmful levels of ammonia and odors. Safe and effective moisture absorption. All-natural, non-toxic, premium-grade zeolite mineral. Contains no masking scents or chemical perfumes. Safe and beneficial to dispose with waste on compost and gardens. Learn more at SweetPDZ.com. That's SweetPDZ.com. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the Premier Egg Layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. Here to tell you that if you have backyard poultry, nothing is more important than making sure your feathered friends are safe from infectious poultry diseases. Learn the simple steps to keep your birds healthy by visiting this website, healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. That's healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. A message from the USDA. Alrighty, folks, thank you very much for staying with us today. Happy New Year, happy 2019, and um, man, I just hope you had a great holiday celebrating whatever holiday you celebrate, Christmas, um, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever. I hope you had a great time, uh, however you however you celebrated. Uh, we, we celebrated Christmas here, and we had a great time. We had a good time with family, 
And uh, we had a great new year, had a good time, brought in the new year with the, with the again, family-oriented. Uh, we got great things happening in 2019, and I hope you do as well. I hope you continue to listen. I want to thank all of our, our listeners. This is going, we're actually going into our 11th year um, of broadcasting this show. So it's amazing. Uh, we're thrilled. 11 years, uh, almost 1,200 episodes. That's like four times as many episodes than Seinfeld and MASH uh, and uh, Friends. So, uh, man, it's what a great accomplishment. And uh, thanks to all of our sponsors. So we ask you to visit them when it's time to purchase something they may carry. And um, it's just going to be a great 2019. We thank you for tuning in. Uh, and listening, all the homeschoolers that listen to the show, all of the over-the-road truck drivers, all of our chicken folks, whether, you know, just thank you so much as we enter into this awesome 2019 year. Um, we've got an, some exciting news. Uh, I don't think I've mentioned it here on the podcast, being this is the first show this year. I don't think I've mentioned it over on our um, – uh, I may have done a Facebook Live on it on my Facebook page, but I don't think I've officially posted uh, a post about this uh, as far as a designated post, but we're really excited because everything's starting to come together here in the next, uh, by the end of January, we'll have it posted and open and we'll be ready for business. And that is the Chicken Whisperer Farm School. Uh, this is really going to be geared towards at least this first um, uh, school, the first semester, whatever you want to call it, uh, will be really geared towards homeschoolers because the uh, the 10-week program is going to be in the afternoon. So it'll be like from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. And uh, it'll be open to, I want to say 12 uh, children, ages from 7 to 14, and uh, they'll have to be accompanied by a parent. It'll be held here at our little farm. And uh, the first semester of learning uh, is going to be, of course, about poultry. But they were going to get hands-on with cows and goats and sheep and pigs and uh, rabbits and everything. Everything from hatch to processing, everything. It's a 10-week period, one day a week, two hours that a class. They'll come here to the farm, and uh, they'll get hands-on training. Again, we're doing an incubation. We're going to be brooding because we're going to be ordering chicks. We're going to be ordering meat birds. They're going to raise the meat birds. They're going to raise the egg layers. Uh, they're going to get hands-on. They're going to get history. They're going to get education. They're going to get muck out the coop, uh, everything, um, and collect eggs. And so it's going to be a, a fabulous Chicken Whisper Farm School. We're starting it up this spring. So we're really excited about that. That's one new thing that's going on here um, as well. Also, regarding the USDA um, APHIS Biosecurity for Birds program, Defend the Flock, um, this year, 2019, um, as you know, I was the national spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Biosecurity for Birds program. I still am. I think this is my 10th year of doing that. And uh, it's combined now. So um, not only am and now I'm the national spokesperson and will continue to be, um, they were two separate entities, if you will, for backyard and commercial, and now they've combined it. It is all one, defend the flock, biosecurity, both commercial and um, uh, hobby farm and backyard flock. So now my, my uh, coverage has expanded uh, more than double. Uh, I will be attending IPPE this year, which is the largest poultry show in the world. It is set in Atlanta. I will be attending that. Really looking forward to that, actually. 
uh, and doing interviews, maybe broadcasting live from there. So I'm excited about that. Um, I do have some breaking news. I'm glad Dr. Uh, McRae has joined us uh, in, in, in queue, and uh, she may already know this. She may have got some wire across her desk over at Auburn University. She may or may not know this already, but um, I do want to finally have all my ducks in a row and have confirmed with the powers that be with right directly from, what's the old saying? I heard directly from the horse's mouth. So um, I wanted to make sure you know us, fact-based, science-based, study-based information, crossing your T's, dotting your I's before we, we post. I did post this on Facebook. News is that uh, effective immediately, uh, the very popular, um, I will just go out on a limb here and say I'm not a fan. Um, I don't use it. I don't really recommend it, um, but, but in very rare cases. But the breaking news, uh, the bottom line is, the breaking news uh, is that Wazin 17 and Wazin 34, a very popular uh, wormer, or I should say dewormer for chickens, poultry, and other animals as well, swine, for example, um, for roundworm effective immediately discontinued you're not going to get any more done um, I have contacted feed stores I've looked online I contacted Fleming laboratories who actually uh, I guess you'd say invented this created this sells this manufactures this distributes this mr. Fleming himself um, and uh, over at Fleming over in North Carolina and Wazine 17 and Wazine 34 Zippo gone goose egg no more uh, discontinued effective immediately uh, and I've already seen pictures of people online uh, uh, rushing out to the feed stores maybe they use this maybe they have success with this for whatever reason and they're buying it uh, in gallons uh, and uh, whatever they can off the shelf so I'm just saying if you use this product um, for whatever uh, agricultural livestock you've got you may want to take heed and go to your local store and see what they've got on the shelf because that's it they can get no more go and ask them can you order this nope out of stock discontinued no more now, if you can try to find it online I did some quick searches out of stock out of stock out of stock so just letting you know breaking news you may have heard it here first Wazine 17 Wazine 34 discontinued effective immediately no more now um, I personally asked Fleming Laboratories in North Carolina this morning. I said, let me ask you this. I said, um, what are the chances or the possibilities of somebody, some company, some entity swooping in, uh, we'll just say like a Combot Feeds, like a Mana Pro, like a uh, Tractor Supply, like somebody with deep pockets, um, and come in, have meetings with you, sit down, round table, and purchase this patent, this uh, recipe, purchase the ingredients, purchase the rights, purchase this, and then continue making it on their own. She said um, that that's always a possibility, that nothing has happened yet, um, but I'm just letting you know that if you see this in the future, that the information I'm giving you today is not false, that may take place in the future if possible. Um, it may or may not, but that's, I guess, still a possible um, uh, outcome here that somebody with deep pockets could come in and say hey for whatever reason you're retiring you're no longer doing this blah 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 for whatever reason we could care less but we know you've sold an awful lot of it over the last however many years it's been out and you're still um, but we'd like to go ahead and purchase the rights of this so we can continue manufacturing this making it and getting on the shelves that may happen according to Fleming uh, laboratories um, in North Carolina with the Wazine 17 and Wazine 34. So that's the breaking news I wanted to share with you. I've kind of posted a little bit on some of the forums and on my page, Chicken Whisper page. But, uh, but now you know.
and maybe you heard it here first. So, uh, and this has been I's dotted, T's crossed. We've checked. We called them, talked to the right from the horse's mouth, right from the manufacturers of Wazine, the inventors, the producers, Fleming um, Laboratories in North Carolina, and right from them. Yep, no longer made, discontinued, can't get any more, done forever. So there you have it. Let's go ahead and go over to the phone lines and see what Dr. McRae has to say about this breaking news. Dr. McRae, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, that's kind of a bummer. I mean, a lot of people don't use Wazine properly, but for those that do, I mean, it can be very effective. But, I mean, it's it's for roundworms. It's not for every kind of worm. Mm-hmm. I I just ah oh, that was like one of the last remaining over the counter products available to black backyard poultry, flocks. Really. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you can find it right off the shelf and things like that. And of course, you know, it's always been controversy. In case I was just looking at it literally as the show theme song was going about people talking and still arguing about withdrawal periods for the egg withdrawal period and then the meat it withdrawal period and uh, fair ad and all that and that type of thing. So, but um, yeah, always it's always been controversial. But man, it never stopped. No matter as you know this, no matter what you post on a blog or forum, people are still going to do what they're going to do. And um, but I mean regardless of what the official information was. Thousands upon thousands of people still use it daily, um, I'm sure, because we see comments about it and suggestions about it. So, um, yeah, for, the, for for those folks, I know, it's gone forever. There it goes. I know, Post. I know. So well, somebody today posted. I mean, all it really did they, was put the worms to sleep, and hopefully they let go. It didn't, you know, kill the worms. So if you think about its mode of action, it wasn't probably the the strongest out there, but at least it was something that people could turn to. Yeah, and they could go to the Over store. Over the counter. Yeah, you know, yeah, and then oh, it's. Uh, available in the store pretty much all the time. And you, every time I walk into a feed and seed or what, there it is sitting right there. It's kind of a staple. <laughs> there it is right there. As it always is right there. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So, huh. yeah. so uh, someone already someone already pictured them coming home. In fact, the picture I put on my Facebook page uh, has a gallon of Wazine 34, and it's and it's sitting in the uh, seat in her car seat, buckled up behind the seat belt. And she's like, <laughs> "I got mine! I got mine!" <laughs> oh, yeah, so that's that yeah portion that out carefully mine. to your friends. How good of a friend are you? Hmm. Exactly. Well, it depends on how much money they have. Now there's going to be some black market wazine out there. Whew. Uh, there you go. I was going to say, go to the store and get your wazine while you can. So $100 an ounce, baby. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. That's crazy. Well, I've got a skedad- skedaddle go as close to three as I can. I've got another okay. meeting in uh, about 30 minutes down the road. So we got poultry research translated today. We were going to do this uh, the last show of last year, but it didn't pan out. And so uh, we've got it today, one of my favorite all-time shows that we do with you, Dr. McRae. So um, we, we, are, we are lending you our ears uh, and our brains, and we're ready to see what you've dug up for us today on today's episode. Okay, well, let's get started with feeding broilers. Since you just oh, processed a whole bunch of broiler chickens, um, both fast and slow, this is completely applicable to what you saw and did Great. and participated in. The title is um, Effects of a Meal Feeding Regimen and the Availability of availability of Fresh fresh Alfalfa on Growth Performance, 
and meat and bone quality of broiler genotypes. So they did fast-growing broilers and slow-growing broilers under free-range management system. Um, this was a research done in Turkey uh, and the country, not not turkeys, not broiler turkeys, just broiler chickens. Um, so they gave, they, they split the broilers up and, you know, they were either fast or slow growing and then they either gave them feed on a meal feeding basis program or they did ad libitum. So the birds always had food in front of them. Okay. Um, meal feeding means that they only fed at mealtime. Um, and they were given free outdoor access that either had alfalfa, fresh alfalfa, or did not. So you've kind of got several um, several different groups here that they're taking a look at. Um, now, alfalfa was made available when the birds were um, 22 days um, old. So they did this with 800 birds, uh, had several replications, and what they found out was very interesting. Um, one of the reasons why a lot of people want to do meal feeding with their chickens, especially um, chickens that are meant for meat production, is they feel that the chickens utilize pasture or grass material more effectively um, because they're kind of only providing feed at a specific time. And so that kind of leaves the birds feeling a little food insecure, so they're they're theory is that they'll go out there and use the pasture more readily. Um, you know, that that's a theory. So, you know, you can, you've got one group of chickens that have meal feeding and access to, to alfalfa. Um, another mm-hmm. that is meal feeding and doesn't have access to alfalfa. But they all have outdoor access either way. Whether that outdoor access has fresh alfalfa or not is the big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, they mm-hmm. did that with fast-growing birds. They did that with slow-growing birds. Who knows? Maybe there's a difference. So they took a look at that more carefully. Um, what they found out was that the consumption of fresh alfalfa did not improve growth performance or any of the meat quality <laughs> attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But the big difference in the birds was with the feeding regimen, whether it was ad libitum, They could eat as often or as much as they want, or the meal feeding. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you if you look carefully at the data, and I'm going to scroll down to a chart here that'll help me go through this. I hope I don't get past it. There it is. Okay. So their um, their fast growing birds were Ross 308, and their slow growing breed was Hubbard Red JA87. When they looked at the body weight gain from day 22 to day 48, the meal feeding birds um, were significantly smaller than the birds that were eating feed ad libitum. Um, That translated to actually about 500 grams difference in feed intake. Um, With the meal feeding birds, they were eating about 500 grams less of feed. I mean, their feed conversion ratio was better because they were smaller birds eating less food, mm-hmm. but they were smaller birds eating less food. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. not necessarily what you want regardless. <laughs> um, and that was with the slow-growing birds. 
same story, just more significant with the fast-growing birds. Um, interestingly enough, they looked at, at this study in kind of three parts, day 22 to 48 and then day 49 to 72, you know, right towards the end. That was for the, the slow-growing birds. Um, so, you know, honestly, it didn't matter what stage of growth they were dealing with, these birds, you know, on the meal feeding program just weren't eating as much. Um, the birds, the fast-growing birds told the same story, very similar story. Um, and those birds were raised day 22 to 20, day 22 to 33 and day 34 to 45. Those were the two. So it was interesting to see that, you know, overall, if you want your birds to eat more and grow faster and grow larger, keep food in front of them all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a broken record, doesn't it? This is what we've always been telling folks to do. Um, and, you know, Although the trend is to get birds outdoors and utilizing outdoor spaces, it seems like at least with meal feeding and fresh alfalfa, it's not going to produce larger birds. Um, It's Mm -hmm. not going to produce birds that more effectively use the feed uh, or the pasture. So, sorry, folks, kind of a bummer, but who knows? Um, again, this was done in Turkey. Um, maybe alfalfa isn't the way to go, although alfalfa is a legume, and legumes are more readily utilized by poultry, which is you know one of the main reasons why it was included in this study. Um, you know, unfortunately, most grasses aren't accessible to poultry. Um, their digestive tract is a non-ruminant digestive tract. Uh, however, like legumes like alfalfa are a little bit more um, accessible to poultry. I hope I cleared that up a little bit. So just an interesting study, a large study, um, you know, that they found when they, considering that they actually looked at some of the the bone quality and the meat quality of the birds, um, they found that, uh, let's see, the meal feeding regimen, um, they had an increased crop size and gizzard weight in both lar- uh, fast-growing and slow-growing birds. Um, in the fast-growing birds, the water-holding capacity, drip loss, and cooking loss in the breast and thigh meat were affected adversely by meal feeding. Um, so, you know, that's something to consider. They did find that feed restriction in the meal feeding demonstrated um, significant decreases in muscle fat accumulation. So, you know, that that follows. They're not eating as much. There's going to be less muscle fat accumulation. Um, There was no effect on meat yield or mineral composition of the meat um, or its mechanical properties. So... uh, yeah, that didn't matter if it was uh, fast-growing or slow-growing. Um, one of the things they did find is in slow-growing birds, they found decreases in protein and dry matter content in the breast and thigh muscle. Um, so that was 
and that was with meal feeding. Um, so, in conclusion, they they said doesn't matter if alfalfa is there or alfalfa is not. Um, if you need to decrease your feed conversion ratio uh, and have really slower growing, slow growing, or fast growing birds, um, try meal feeding. But you're gonna have a lean carcass, and um, you know some of the meat quality factors aren't gonna be there as with a fast growing bird. So. At least with the, this particular study and the strain that they looked at. Something to think about. That's definitely, especially right now, because um, I had talked about it on the Facebook Live, but I haven't mentioned it, obviously, our first tour this year, um, about the slower-growing meat birds. So many people have been following us on Facebook, our Facebook Lives. We did the Cornish Cross, super fast-growing uh, meat birds first, and then we did this uh, um, slower-growing red broiler second. And we just got done processing them probably about uh, two weeks ago. And, uh, again, after doing the Cornish Cross first and, you know, just very fast, they would process them in uh, really six weeks or seven weeks. I think we did eight weeks because we were trying to coordinate with you being here to do that class, which was absolutely awesome. And we just actually I just took one off the rotisserie from that class you did um, today for lunch. I have pictures of it on my personal <laughs> Facebook page. Um, and just huge <laughs> birds, meaty birds, um, three bags of feed, uh, seven weeks late. Later, we're processing them, and, and, and they're on the rotisserie versus the slower growing. When we were <laughs> processing them on processing day, I was just very disappointed. I was like, "This is all I got," and you know, for like, I don't have to do the math and go back and look, but it was like 12 or 13 weeks, <laughs> so it was really double time, and um, double at least double food, probably more than double feed. And then um, I get this little scrawny little meat bird, and I was like. You know, I told the folks on Facebook Live, I said, that's it, folks. I, I know I promised you that I was going to do a dual-purpose bird now, like a black ostrilorp or a buckeye, but I'm not even going to waste my time because after I got spoiled on those Cornish Cross, really letting <laughs> the, the majority of at least the males got to roaster size. Some of the females were still broiler or, or small roaster size. And then going through, again, twice as long, twice as much feed, twi- you know, time, twice as much time dealing, filling feeders, feeding waterers, and then getting the little birds that we got. No compare. I'm not going to waste my time doing the dual purpose because if it's if it's anything compared and probably even a little longer, obviously, than even the slower growing broiler, not even worth my time here on the homestead. I got better things to do with my life uh, than that, and so you can just take it for what it's worth. But um, but yeah, that that thank you for sharing that for with me. We're going to be starting uh, sure. birds in March again, and we'll do the Cornish cross. But that that was really fascinating trying to see if grass makes a different alfalfa grass would make a difference and the different feed patterns and and um, all the time. And, and you recommended that we feed all the time, and we did. We did not take the food away. We didn't feed for 12 hours and take it away for 12 hours when we did yeah. our Cornish cross again in that backyard setting. You know, 12 birds in a backyard style coop right here, seven weeks. You know, done. And we, they had feed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We didn't do any of that, 12 on, 12 off, none of that. And, again, in six, seven weeks, they, they, we could have been put them in the uh, freezer. So that was awesome because people often ask, what did you – did you take food away for half the day or, you know, 12 and 12? Nope, we had access to feed the whole time. And we still only went through about three and a half bags in, in the seven-week period. So um, that was awesome. Thanks for sharing. Let's, get, let's, let's sure. hear another one. Let's hear about a study that used leghorn layers. Um, they mm. took broccoli florette residue and gave it to layer hens and looked at uh, hen performance and egg quality and how well the new nutrient was digested. 
Um, so okay, basically, what did they get? What they Bro- something broccoli? Dried bro- what kind of dried broccoli florets. Got it. And so okay. essentially what they did is they took um, broccoli floret residue. Um, it was dehydrated and mixed in with the feet. And what they wanted to take a look at was egg production, egg quality, nutrient digestibility mm-hmm. in the laying hens. Because they thought maybe if we feed this um, new ingredient, we can improve egg quality without hurting layer performance. And, heck, it's... Um, it's something that normally would have to be disposed of by another industry, so maybe it's something that the poultry industry should consider using uh, as an ingredient. Just like how, you know, in some poultry diets they'll use um, seasonally available ingredients or um, uh, sometimes they'll use, like, bakery waste, um, something that other other industries might throw away um, or even like say feed that's been incorrectly mis, uh, mixed, like um, chow for another animal species. Well, it may not be mixed correctly for that animal species, but they know what the details are, and it could work for as an ingredient mm-hmm. um, poultry feed. So, what they did is they um, they took laying hens that were already um, laying and put them in a, into one of four dietary groups. Um, so it either had the control, which was the regular diet, no dried broccoli florets in there. Um, one group got 40 grams per kilogram, another got 80, and another got 120. And they said this for okay. 56 days. Um, well, what were the results? Okay. Well, basically, feeding dried broccoli florets already mixed in uh, as an ingredient in a uh, pelleted feed had no effect on feed intake, egg production, or egg or, or feed conversion ratio, or even any of the egg components. Um, <laughs> egg weights increased as the level of dried broccoli florets in the diet increased. Interesting. Um, <laughs> They found that egg breaking strength and shell eggshell strength and haw unit not influenced by the 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 diet. Um, what do you think happened to the egg yolk color? I bet it turned green. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, no. I, I would say that it probably got. I'm going to say it got darker. Yes. Um, also, the alpha tocopherol. Um, concentration um, improved. They also found that the egg yolk concentration of cholesterol not altered. So, you know, sorry, that's not the cholesterol cure, folks. But, you know, it's no different than it was if you hadn't fed it. Um, so, you know, they they basically found that um, digestibility um in, decreased as the level of dried broccoli florets increased. So they, they looked at dry matter, organic matter, crude protein. So, you know, if you want to go ahead and feed dried broccoli florets um, and include it in a layer diet up to a level of 120 grams per kilogram, it's not really going to hurt your bottom line. Yeah as long as you're not paying too much for it. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, 
you know, you you found that some digestibility coefficients were decreased, but um, you know, hey, you got a better egg yolk color. The the bird production isn't really hurt. So kind of neat. And where was this work done? It was done in Canada. And sometimes Canada comes up with some really cool stuff. So way to go hey, to our northern the, neighbors for finding a really cool ingredient to test out. So two comments before I forget. Number one, when you went out to some poultry science um, thing out west, you said a bunch of the awards and everything were, like, all going to Canada. That they were just, oh, like, yeah. Killing, yeah. killing it with all this research. It, this isn't stuff. one of those studies. I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, some of the research that's do- mm-hmm. being done at the um, – University of Saskatchewan, Edmonton, uh, Alberta. Um, you know, those are some some really good schools for poultry still. Um, but yeah, that they aren't the only ones though. There's there's uh, McGill University sometimes does some really cool molecular stuff. Um, Guelph, uh, Dalhousie, those all have um, poultry research uh, programs there too so yeah if you're a listener in canada hey you're not alone go find your your poultry peeps go to school with them yeah i was thinking i was, I was kind of hoping for the green eggs and so you could have green eggs and ham <laughs> with the green broccoli color but but that didn't i figured it might have gotten darker but yeah still that study if i read that and i was competent at reading it i'd be like Psh, not wasting my time not worth my time not worth, forget it I'm, i don't care what my egg colors look like because uh, i'm not rare bird that i'm like i just I, i'm and people know this i've said it on occasion i just don't get into oh look my egg carton has all these beautiful colors or oh i have the darkest egg in the world this dark moran you know that's cool <laughs> i'm glad people appreciate that me here in my house i could care less crack them open fix me an omelet let's roll and um, and that type of thing. So that study, you know, for me, still not worth my time, um, but definitely very, very cool. I figured it wouldn't do anything eggshell because I don't know how much calcium is actually in broccoli anyway. So I figured yeah. it had to be something, some of them would have to be uh, calcium rich for that to help with the eggshell. Um, what else I was going to say regarding the, the broccoli thing. Um, but, hey, at least, it, you know, there weren't any negative effects to it. So someone out there who's like, oh, yeah, I feed them broccoli, and, you know, there's, there's not any negative. Uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. Did it t- Here's my question for you. Um, I found it interesting that they started giving this after they had started laying, after they had already started getting used to that, that diet they were on. Um, yeah. I, I'm wondering, why? like, okay – what, what kind of why? And then you would think that because you always hear when oh, I went from pellets to laying to, to to crumbles, or I changed food on them, and they didn't need it for three days, or they, you know. So I, w- I was curious how that might have. I mean, I guess the results are the results, and they they yeah. they did say, hey, we well, started one of the this so many days in. So. This is a university, so they probably had to start when students were in session, and if the birds were already in lay, right. at least you didn't have to gotcha. start raising them as as chicks. That could have been the situation. Um, could also be that uh, it's a seasonal product, and that's when the birds, mm-hmm. um, that's how old the birds were when the product became available for them to mm-hmm. test. You know, those are the, some of the details that, that have to be worked out. It, it does look like it has promise. I do hope that the researchers continue to look at it and see if it works for, um, you know, maybe when the, the, the chickens are pullets during the rearing uh, phase. Who knows? Uh, But, yeah, 
you got to start somewhere, and sometimes the the key there yeah. is uh, students are in session, and now <laughs> we can get the work done. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. They're we 50 the, weeks uh, old? Okay, uh, let's go. <laughs> we got the labor force back in town, so let's roll yes. with it. <laughs> hey, let me go to commercial break. This is a great time to go to commercial okay. break, and then when we come back, uh, we'll continue and try to squeeze in a couple of more. Folks, if you're just tuning in, I love this show, always have. Poultry Research Translated with our good friend, Dr. Bridget McRae, and there will be more when we return after this break. So you want to stay with us. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Come back. Come back, back. Come back. Come back. Come back, 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 Feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All righty. Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at Kalmbach Feeds. And, again, our special guest today is Dr. Bridget McRae. And uh, we're talking about Poultry Research Translated, one of my favorite shows we do with her. What a great way to kick off 2019. Um, I forgot to put myself on mute, so if you heard some background noise, my son was coming up to me. Can I have half of this? Uh, he, he was looking at his Dexcom, and his uh, sugar was starting to go low a little bit. She's type 1 diabetic. So I was like, you can have half of that. So um, you might have heard me whispering to him. So I just forgot to put on mute because I wasn't expecting to say anything to anybody. So um, anyway, um, let's carry on because we've got about 
15 minutes before I got to break away and go to another meeting. But um, Dr. McRae, thanks for hanging on with us. Oh, and if you're just tuning in, uh, you can listen to the show uh, in its entirety. Just click the same link you click to listen to the live show. Uh, after the show's done, maybe 10 minutes, it'll be kind of turned magically into a podcast, and you'll be able to listen to it years to come. Also, the other breaking news, Wazine 17 slash Wazine 34 being discontinued, no longer available, no longer manufactured. If you use this stuff, if you've been using this stuff, as well, I guess you could say on your farm, uh, then you might want to head over to the feed store after the show and, and pick you up some and uh, hang on to it. And then if you can find it online, good luck, because a lot of them are out of, out of stock because they, they went to reorder and they couldn't reorder. And they're like, what's going on? And then kind of rumors started to spread. And I'm like, well, before we start you know, spreading this rumor, uh, I called Fleming Laboratories in North Carolina, the manufacturer, the maker, Mr. Fleming over there, and um, yep, gone forever unless some other company swoops in and buys the patent and the rights and the recipe and all that stuff and starts uh, manufacturing it. So that was our breaking news at the top of the hour. Dr. McRae, let's carry on. Okay. Let's talk about gelatin. And I'm not talking about jello for chicken. Well, I guess kind of I am. But, okay, well, this is a study that um, looked at gelatin from calf bones that were rich in phosphorus and and saw if it – had an effect on broiler performance. Um, and, okay, so why the heck are we talking about gelatin? Well, phosphorus is the key here. Um, when you look at the cost of ingredients for feed, one of the third most expensive ingredients is phosphorus. Where do we get phosphorus from? Usually it's rock deposits. Um, so, you know, that, that's going to run out eventually. So it's good to occasionally look at alternative sources of phosphorus. Um, right now it's expensive. Uh, it's not really well available in, in the plant feed stuff. Um, and conventional sources, uh, you know, it's, it's somewhat available to the birds. And having just moved from the Chesapeake Bay area, phosphorus is always in the conversation because um, not all the phosphorus that goes into the the bird's diet stays in the bird. Um, A lot of it is excreted, and that's one of the concerns there is that um, phosphorus levels on Delmarva in the soil are very high, and as such... um, that can translate to runoff into the Chesapeake Bay. So studies like this that take a look at um, you know, alternative ingredients, it's, it's interesting. So let's see what they, they came across. Um, so what they did is they prepared gelatin from calf bones. Um, calf bones and gelatin are a good source of high-quality protein and phosphorus. Um, They incorporated it into broiler chicken diets. They were hoping it would improve bone strength and plasma levels and digestibility, performance overall. Um, So what they did is they took out dicalcium phosphate in a regular old broiler chicken corn soy diet. Um, They either replaced it with 12, 24, or 36 grams per kilogram of the the gelatin and completely randomized um, 
the number of chickens in each pen, and they raised those chickens until um, they were 42 age of, days of age, and they started when they were one day old. And they looked every week at body weight, feed intake, much like you did with your study, Andy. Um, and these were uh, fast-growing broilers. So um, they looked at uh, the plasma calcium and phosphorus con- concentrations. So they did some blood draws um, to add, uh, you know, the actual bones of the chickens. Uh, they they actually broke those down to their component parts of ash, calcium, phosphorus, and looked at the content and um, so, you know, a lot of detailed lab work in this one. So what happened? Um, well, first of all, body weight and feed intake did not really show any significant difference between the control birds and the diets that contained either 12 or 36 um, grams per kilogram. Now, remember, there was 12, 24, and 36. And our control birds didn't get any of the gelatin. They just got their regular uh, dicalcium phosphate in the corn soy diet. Um, so the tibia ash and tibia length were increased by supplementing with um, the gelatin. Uh, the calcium and phosphorus content of the tibia were increased by the gelatin in the diet at two weeks of age. And the digestive um, components were increased. Um, so some things were increased, some things were decreased. Uh, and essentially, the results show that there there is the possibility that using gelatin as a high-quality protein and phosphorus source in a broiler diet can improve some of the bone characteristics and the digestibility of phosphorus, um, you know, maybe we have an alternative, if included at a rate of 36 grams per kilogram, to dicalcium phosphate um, in broiler diets by using gelatin. That's a byproduct of a different industry. Um, and of course, that's just something, you know, this is good information in case you are thinking about um, alternative ingredients for diets. And there's constantly new research out there trying to find an alternative ingredient to solve this problem or that problem or provide an alternative when maybe resources are low or seasonality of certain products are out there. So, uh, there's always going to be good research out there with regard to uh, new and alternative ingredients. So I thought your folks would find that very fun and interesting. Um, and those of your listeners in the Chesapeake Bay area, well, it's not like those chickens on Delmarva are going to moo anytime soon, but there's a chance that they'll have a different ingredient in their diet. Interesting. Well, I've got one I'm more for you, keep, Andy. I'm just going to keep throwing feed at them and uh, let it be. <laughs> but the science <laughs> behind that is is, is interesting because it, no, it, it's amazing to me how many folks, and, and they may not care, they may not 
want to know, and that's perfectly fine. They throw the feet at them, and they get their eggs, and that's great. I'm always interested in what's in that pellet, how it's formed, the whole nine yards. Like, you should have seen my face the day I found out that these big feed companies uh, make all the pellets and then to uh, make their um, crumble to go out to all these stores, they take all the pellets they just spent all this time making and then crush them up into uh, um, crumble and then fill the crumble bags in it. So it's the exact same stuff. And so back in the day when I heard that happen, I'm like, wait a minute. I, I wish I had a picture in my face because I was like, it was just like, what? <laughs> oh, they yeah. But um, yeah, always interested in that. And then people, and another perfect example was, uh, and this is great, and I'll make it fast because it's to the point. Someone was like, you know, we were talking about giving treats and things like that or food scraps, and they're like, well, I don't understand why it's a big deal. Wheat is wheat, right? If I give my chickens wheat versus this versus wheat in the, we'll just say there's wheat in, in the feed they were giving, the commercial feed they buy at, say, the, the feed store. Wheat's wheat, right? So it's still going to be healthy for them regardless of the way which wheat. And so I had a great example. I'm like, um, I basically said something like, if you think that a box of 99-cent spaghetti wheat spaghetti in your cupboard that you're not going to fix tonight and give to your chickens um, is, the, is the same nutritional value as that nutritionally balanced pellet feed because it doesn't end yeah. then, then you are you're very mistaken. Go, go look at the box of that you know, wheat spaghetti, you know, that you just bought at Walmart for 89 cents and look at the ingredient. It's, it's basically void of anything. And then go look at that big, long label. I almost used a cuss word. Yeah. That big, long label on, on your feed and look at all those and vitamins and minerals and, and amino acids and all these things that are uh, the, uh, it's, it's incredible. So I mean, I was like, you know, no, wheat is not wheat is not wheat is not wheat, and that's a really bad uh, analogy to say wheat's wheat. And whether I give them wheat noodles or their nutritionally balanced feed, and some people just don't want to get into that, and that's fine. I don't care, but it's uh, but you know, you got to educate when you have the chance. And I thought, man, go look at the label of wheat noodles. So that's that's I think that's <laughs> fascinating stuff. Fascinating. That's why I love the show. All right, let's do one more real quick. Okay, this one's more of a behavioral study, and it came from Germany. Um, it's called High, Low, or Familiar, Nest Site Preferences of Experienced Laying Hens. So what they did is they took um, laying hens of four different layer breeds, um, a high-producing uh, white leghorn-type bird and a high-producing sex-linked brown egg layer-type bird. And then they took a moderate producing um, leghorn type and a moderate producing um, uh, brown egg, brown shelled egg layer. And so the basic difference between the, the high and moderate is that the, um, the moderate birds were not selected for egg yield in like the last four decades. So they lay about 200 eggs a year versus the high producing birds are like 300 eggs per year. So they looked at these four strains of chicken. Um, so I'm going to say like high white, high brown, and I guess maybe low brown, moderate white, moderate brown. I'll say low. It's easier to say. But you guys know what I'm doing. Um, so they they did two studies. Um, they wanted to see about nest site preference in laying hens. Um, and, you know, are there certain nest locations or nest heights that are more attractive to chickens? So if you're putting a nest into your coop or in a commercial facility, where where does it need to sit? What height? 
Um, these chickens were 50 weeks of age, and um, they looked at four different heights. Nests that were either on the floor, uh, nests that were 15 inches up, 30 inches up, or 45 inches up above the ground. Um, and they were given free choice in the in the first week at the four, four uh, heights, and they just kind of were like, okay, chicken, go lay your eggs. And, you know, whatever they wanted to do, they got to do in the first week, and that was, you know, they took a look at that, and they did record that. And the, um, they found out that the hens of the four breeds did differ in their nest height preferences. Um, three of those breeds um, preferred ground-level level nests, and one of them uh, preferred um, uh, ground-level and the, the third one up. So... Um, the 45 inches up off the ground. And which one was that? Let me scroll down and tell you. It was, which one was it? Oh, I forgot what these mean. I think it's the, I think it's the um, slow growing or the, the low white. Yeah, there you go. So, um, you know, that there's, that's interesting. I mean, one of them was like, meh, I could go high or I could go low. So if you're choosing a strain of chicken to buy, uh, whether you're a large-scale commercial facility or a modern, moderate-scale um, facility, which strain of chicken you buy could affect where you stick your nest boxes. Or if your nest boxes aren't adjustable, you might have to buy from such and such as line because they're the ones that are going to use um, nest boxes that you have already installed. Um, now, some of these chickens did end up laying on the floor, and they did record that information. Um, so what they did I got next one. in the second – what? I got one that lays on the, on the floor. One. Uh, so I've got um, and it drives me nuts, and it's and uh, but I can't complain because it ends up literally it's the biggest egg out of all that I get from that one coop, and it's <laughs> the biggest, and it's always the biggest. So you know I try to bite my tongue. Look, ladies, I don't know who it is because I've been down and try to get, reach back and get this thing in the back corner of the coop every day. So it's a good layer, and it's the biggest egg out of all eight or ten that I get from that coop. So I kind of bite my tongue. But at the same time, who's doing this? Who is doing this? And they're like, <laughs> she's probably sitting back laughing at me going, ah, I'm making you. And, oh. <laughs> Isn't that what Caleb's all the for? Other ones, all, all the other ones. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but, yeah, I've got that. He's that closer to the ground to start with. <laughs> He's a lot closer, and he doesn't have a bad back and cracky knees like I do. <laughs> oh. Well, in the second experiment, they took the hens from the four breeds again, and they gave them a choice between ground-level ground level nests and nests that were at a familiar location, otherwise known as the same location in their home compartment. <laughs> and guess what? They all wanted their familiar nest location. So, um, and it didn't matter what strain it was. So, all, familiar is best. 
that's the moral of the story. Um, if you're moving, laying hands into a different facility or considering an equipment change, try to keep it the same as what they're used to, and you will have, um, you know, eggs that end up inside the nest box, not on the ground. Now, we can talk later about how to identify that one chicken of yours, Andy, that seems to be your your mm-hmm. ground egg layer, but... Uh, I think I'll bring it to a close so you can make it to your meeting. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming on. It's perfect timing, 2.59 p.m. Can't get any better than that. That's, of course, Eastern Daylight. <laughs> and um, what a great – all these were topics that were great. I liked them especially because they were just about all related to what we do here on the farm and have been doing recently. So I was like, ah, this is awesome. And um, more people learn about me and about things that I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time buying broccoli florets if I'm not getting anything out of it. And um, – <laughs> But, but it's promising. It's promising research, and uh, I'm sure there'll be more to uh, more to come. So thank you very much for taking out of your day over at Auburn to come on the show. And fascinating show. I always love poultry research translated folks. It's Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D., and uh, she joins us the first and third Thursday of every single month with incredible topics just like this. And if you don't think science affects what goes on in your backyard, whether you have six hens and they're all named or not, you're fooling yourself because it does all day long. So, Dr. McRae, thank you very much for tuning in today. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you back in a couple of weeks. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yeah, big, big applause for my friend, Dr. McRae. She's also the co-author of my first book, The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, because you know I am a a stickler about making sure everything I share is science-based, fact-based, study-based information. She's a huge contributor to the second book, Chicken Factor, Chicken Poop, along with other folks that come on the show, like Dr. Pateski um, and just a bunch of folks. So, um, and then the third book, yep, there's a third one, should be coming out this spring. Uh, waste-free chicken keeping. Waste-free chicken keeping. Is there such a thing? Is it obtainable? Does it exist? Don't hold your breath. But the book will be out here this spring. And Dr. McRae, big contributor to that book, Waste-Free Chicken Keeping. So I'll let you know when that book is available as well, our third. So um, thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget, it's totally free. doesn't cost you a dime. It's no bait and switch. It's no open now. It's not free anymore. There's no reason why you shouldn't subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Science-based, fact-based, study inf- study-based information you can count on to raise a healthy flock. You can take all that information and do with it what you wish, but it is free. And look who writes for the magazine. Poultry scientists, poultry nutritionists, poultry veterinarians. So you know the information is golden, and then you can choose what to implement in your backyard with your flock. But free, F-R-E-E, easy. ChickenWhispererMagazine.com. Hit the subscribe button, and you can subscribe to the digital edition absolutely free. This is going to wrap up another show of Backyard Culture with the Chicken Whisperer, first show of 2019, and it was a doozy. Thank you so much, Dr. McRae, and we'll see you next week with poultry veterinarian Dr. Pateski. Don't have a topic yet, but I will announce it on our Facebook page as soon as we have that. Next week, 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio. God bless everybody. (laughs) 